I fully admit it, but boundaries are a huge issue. And those are, you know, we mentioned the, the term co-founding, you know, our burnout. Right. Those are on you mm-hmm. as to setting those boundaries. And it could be something as simple as, you know, I'm not going to work past 6 p.m. or I'm not going to travel for my company more than once a month, or right. I'm not going to catch the red eye back and get into the airport at 3 a.m. just because my boss wants me in the office the next morning, you know, right. things like that. You've got to establish, first of all, you got to see what you think is, is causing you to be exhausted, and then you got to work backwards right. and write those boundaries. And I think that's, that's incredibly important. you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive a strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hi, everyone. Catherine Avery of Catherine Avery ADHD Coaching and your host of the Uncluttered Office Podcast. I have a super amazing guest with us today. I'm really excited. And I'm going to get to him right after I thank Time for Bear so much for her write-up on my podcast. So here's what she had to say. She's a hoot with great focus strategies. I'll take it. Full disclosure, I know Catherine from an entrepreneur group we are in. I just listened to her podcast and found it fun and useful. Right now, I'm listening to content creation, scaling, and English muffins. And I've already picked up a great idea for not overworking to create newsletters and social media posts. I'm recommending Catherine to all of my friends who are coping with the intrusions ADHD can bring to your tasks. And I highly recommend her podcast. So thanks so much for that time for bears. David Greenwood, drum roll, please, is the author of Overcoming Burnout, Real Life Strategies for Burnout, Recovery, and Prevention. David's previous book was Overcoming Distractions, which profiled many entrepreneurs with adult ADHD. And this month is all about ADHD and burnout. So who's better than David, right? This is going to be great. He is also an entrepreneur and still runs his content creation business just outside of Boston. However, he is currently focusing a lot of time on helping people who have experienced burnout, recover from burnout, and prevent it, that's the big one, from happening again. Before officially becoming an entrepreneur in 2005, David served as an executive at one of the most well-known nonprofit organizations in the world. And before that, he spent 16 years in the restaurant business, which resulted in the first encounter with burnout. 
Welcome, Dave. I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you. And thank you for that glorious introduction. I, I try. I try. You wrote it. <laughs> oh, I did. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. So, or someone wrote it for you. So I think let's start with, uh, because you really start in this place in the book, with restaurant business and that first burnout. What was that like for you? I've read the book, so I know what it was like, but my listeners may not have yet. I don't. Well, back then, I didn't classify it as burnout because I don't think I knew what burnout was. But I just couldn't bear another day working in the punishing restaurant business. It was a small franchised restaurant, a very popular company in New England. And it was just day after day of just, you name it, it could be uh, the customers yelling at you. It could be the board of health yelling at you. It could be the kid puking in the bathroom. It could be, you know, it's just this endless, endless punishing environment. But one day, and I, I, I should note that my restaurant was in one of the wealthiest communities in Massachusetts, surrounded by the other five or six other wealthy communities. So that had a lot to do with it. It was quite frankly, hard to get help. So after working two days, pretty much by myself, the effects of burnout caught up with me and I got a nosebleed that should have brought me to the emergency room. But instead, I locked the door and sat down in the dish room and thought that this was it. <laughs> and it was from there I decided, you know what, I need a game plan to get out. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't even think I was 30, but I knew I couldn't do this for the rest of my life. So, was there anything? So, one of the things we talked about before we came on was sort of this idea of work burnout, and then there's caregiver burnout, and there's, you know, all different ways we can experience burnout. It's really, I guess, I would say burnout is when we just are overwhelmed. There's too much on the to do list, and we don't have the um, values, boundaries in place to manage them. So when you were coming out of the restaurant business, it sounds like that was a strictly business burnout. Yeah. I didn't have kids at the moment. It was just a, like I said, a, a, a punishing and soul-crushing way to make a living. Right. Some people love it. I mean, I suppose if I look back and I was running some very high-class Boston restaurant and I had staff and I had a manager and I, you know... It might have been different, but in what we call the fast casual category, you're just busting your ass from morning until night. It doesn't stop. And you get physically exhausted. You get emotionally exhausted because people just love to. It was an ice cream and sandwich shop. So you can imagine just the harassment that I and the staff would get on a daily basis. Because again, and I hate to talk like this, I really do, but. There is some element of owning a business like that in a wealthy community where you're not the same type of person as the people who live there. Yeah. And I hate, to, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm sorry. It's just the brutal truth. It happens. Yeah. And we often got treated like crap or second-class citizens. And, and I'm not going to apologize for that because it's, it's just truth. I lived it. But you're right. I think when we look at burnout, we go on Instagram and we see all this incredibly simplistic advice and it's like, oh, drink water, work less, take a weekend off, all this crap. It's not. There's a hundred reasons why you may want to burn out. 
and we can never go through them all. Right. Because burnout, I think, is is very individual. Yeah, you may be overworked. You may have a a boss that doesn't care if you work nights or weekends, or you may just be in an industry like I just said, where I just can't do this anymore. I hate the work and it's burning me out. I can't do this anymore. I have to do something else that gives me some type of purpose. And I think one key thing there is, and we're both entrepreneurs, we like to run our own thing. My moment when I recognized I was burned out this last time was the moment when I thought, well, I'm not excited about this. And I love my work. I love my clients. I love what I do. And I said, oh, ding, 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 ding. That is a really bad sign. If I'm getting up in the morning, and I'm saying, I don't want to do this today. You know, I coach people. My clients are going to know. You consult with people. They're going to know. They get the energy. They get the vibe. They know what's going on with you. So I think that was sort of the first thought I have out of that. Second thought I have out of that is here you are, you're 30 years old, you run in the restaurant business. How the hell could you have had time for a wife or kids? You were way too busy working all the time. So it's almost like the family can give some balance when we're in a burnout. They can do both. The family can be draining, but they also can be very uplifting. Yeah. I think I was probably lucky that I didn't have kids at the time because there there were points and the economy was was very good at the time that I went through burnout. So it, it was, it was 12, 14 hour days. And, you know, if I had to pick junior up at school, or if I had to come home and help him with homework, or what have you, that would have been a problem. Right. <laughs> I'm confident that would have been a problem. So you wouldn't have had the bandwidth. Yeah. And that, you know, however, it allowed me the opportunity to what I call burn the boats. Right. And well, I maybe to, to point, what I was going to say next. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, and, and I write about that in the book where it's like, you know, the action movie where the guy lights the hand grenade and walks away in slow motion as the, as the building just explodes and the flames go up really slow and he's doing that slow motion walk. And that's what I did because it was a franchise. I was under contract, but I let them know about six or seven months in advance that I was not renewing my contract. And the way this type of franchise situation worked, they had to buy me out. So they had to buy the restaurant back from me and everything inside it. So So you really could completely walk away. I could. And at the time, it felt great when I did walk away. Right. I felt tremendous relief. But I think a lot of people when they're in a different situation, burnout can take a long time to resolve. I mean, it can take a year or two before you feel like yourself again. Yeah. I, you know, I fully admit that, again, you know, a, a young person, I had, the, I, I had money in the bank and I was able to just walk away and take a few months off and figure out my, my next step. But my initial game plan, I knew that my contract had ended that day. Right. They're coming in to cut me a check for the place and I'm out of here. And I, don't have to worry about it ever again. And I had that date in my head. Right. My dad was on a committee. I don't want to say too much about it because people will know because they know who my dad is. But he was on a committee and he had a countdown clock on his watch and his phone that literally said the number of days he had left. And so sometimes he would just say this day randomly and I'll never forget. He said, this is, you know, whatever day, day 120. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know what that's for. And he just, we just started cracking up because you have to kind of give yourself that thing to shoot for 
to recognize that you're going because he was burning out from it. It was really exhausting. And he's retired. Doesn't need this aggravation. And I think when you're burned out, you cannot get out of your own way. Oh, so true. You just can't. And I think, you know, one of the first things I I felt it necessary at the beginning of the book to just give people like a few things to just just try and do these this week. And one of them was, right. you know, just book a hotel room for the weekend, you know, far enough away f- from your house where you can't go home. Like you're not, you know, so if it's an hour, an hour and a half away, just go sit in a hotel, go down to the lobby bar, have a beer, get a steak. Okay. And just sit there and just kind of figure out at least a little bit of a game plan. What's my next move? Right. There's a lot of people just saying, I know that I can't do this type of work anymore. I don't see myself doing this for the next 20 years and it's not getting any better. And, you know, as you mentioned, you get older, you do have responsibilities. You have a, a caretaker responsibility. You have children. You might have aging parents. I mean, you might have a, both sandwich generation. Super fun. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, yeah, and there's a million cogs to that wheel that only add to your stress. Right. And I think it's important if you can afford to do it, to just get out of your head for a couple of days, like shut the notifications off on your phone. Don't bring the laptop. You know, this isn't like, oh, I'll bring my laptop to the hotel. Don't bring it. Bring a, you know, a fresh notebook and a pen, you know, resist the urge to actually hop on and check your work email or something. But Spend a couple days and just figure out, you know, what is my next step, even if it's a little step. There are cabins, I at least know about them in New England, where you can go away and you lock your phone up in a little vault and (laughs) you're just at this cabin for a couple days. And I don't remember what they're called, but I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. But they're fabulous. And a very dear friend of mine who actually lives in New Hampshire, just north of Massachusetts, so not super far from you went and did these for a weekend. And I have to tell you something, it is mighty tempting. I'm about to do a couple of days away at our beach home. And I have a lot of work to do on it, which is fine. It's fall. It's a nice time to be down there. But I have deliberately blocked any kind of meetings with other people, any kind of work-oriented stuff. And it's not that I won't be working, but I will be much more unplugged than I am here. Unfortunately, the timing right now, there's just no way I can be completely unplugged. I am planning to be unplugged at least one full day of it. But it's crucial 
as you know, I've just come out, I'm coming out of a burnout now. And I'm noticing there's some days where I'm a house on fire and cranking along. And then other days, you know, I'm really having to listen to my body and see what it's feeling. And it might be that I'm really tired and I'm going to take the afternoon off and maybe take a walk with a neighbor or take a nap. So I think it's good to talk about that, the basis, because this is something you talk a lot about in the book. One is setting your values and the other is setting boundaries. I think they're they're both critically important. As you mentioned, you like what you do, but you just got maybe too deep into it for a while and things got out of control. But there are, I think those are the, I got schooled when I wrote this book. <laughs> okay. I, I, I know fully, some of the people who schooled you in the book. That's no, the know, fun I, part. I'm reading it along and I'm like, oh, I know her. Oh, I know yeah. him. I mean, I, I fully admit it, but boundaries are a huge issue. And those are, you know, we mentioned the, the term co-founding, you know, our burnout. Right. Those are on you mm-hmm. as to setting those boundaries. And it could be something as simple as, you know, I'm not going to work past 6 p.m. or I'm not going to travel for my company more than once a month or right. I'm not going to catch the red eye back and get into the airport at 3 a.m. just because my boss wants me in the office the next morning, you know, right. things like that. You've got to establish, first of all, you got to see what you think is is causing you to be exhausted and then you got to work backwards right? and write those boundaries. And I think that's that's incredibly important. And for me as an entrepreneur, I didn't have a lot of boundaries. It was boundaries around my time. Right. People either ignoring me, believe it or not, which was a boundary I needed to set, clients ignoring me, or clients calling me at, at stupid hours, or me just jumping off my seat, what we call the stop, drop, and roll. Right. Which I've almost entirely stopped doing, unless I really love the client, you know? Right. But I, I don't often do that anymore. And it's an incredibly powerful exercise, but it's also a lot of willpower to stick to it. Other things I'd set boundaries with, you know, clients paying me 90 days late, you know, and me saying, oh, it's all right. It happens. No bullshit. It doesn't happen. Pay me, you know, and that's the the automated payments myself. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, and and that's That's good. You know what I love is, you know, it, I got clients now where like I send something and like all of a sudden I get a notification. They paid me in 20 minutes. I'm like, I'll keep this client. Absolutely. <laughs> but others, others just go out, you know, 60 days, sometimes 90 days. And I've had people sitting in my office years ago, they were literally out 90 days and being as nice as can be to me. And I was just sucking it up and putting up with it because I was a people pleaser, you know? Right. So... And some of that comes, the people-pleasing thing can come from having had, both of us, ADHD. And especially for the ladies, I'm talking for the women. You, you are a man, so you will give me the male perspective because I'm not living your, in your body, so I don't know. But for women, we're really taught we have to be people-pleasers, we have to be perfect, we have to be kind, we have to be whatever, all these things. And then when we have ADHD, we're like overdoing it because we struggle so much with time management or other executive function challenges. Now I'd love to hear the male perspective on that. (laughs) I always equate this conversation back to the report card. (laughs) Okay. Because 
most of us with ADHD had to do the shame walk into the house with the bad report card. <laughs> okay. And we not only wanted to do better, but we wanted to make our parents happy. We wanted to make our teachers happy. And I think year after year, that really kind of sears into your head. Right. And I think that's how we we become people pleasers is that we don't want to, you know, we saw what happened, male or female, I don't care. I don't care who it is. That repeated disappointment of others in our eyes only leads us to be more people pleasing as we become adults and work in the professional world. Yeah, I agree. And just in the interest of me realizing that I was not being inclusive, I should also mention just as difficult for anyone who is trans or LGBTQIA, all of us, no matter where we stand, non-binary, can struggle with this whole people-pleasing situation. Oh, absolutely. And I think the other thing that I, and I'm far from a therapist or a doctor, I mean, I'm a welding school flunk out, but there has to be, and this is where many people who burn out do need therapy. Mm. And I think there's some unpacking of things right? that maybe your earlier years, it had caused some trauma that you've just been kind of stuffing down for years and years. So I think that would be the case in my last burnouts. In this burnout, I knew it was that I was being pulled too many directions. It's not that I don't set boundaries because I'm actually really good about it. My clients are fabulous. They really do honor my boundaries, but I've been very clear about them from the get-go. It was that I was trying to be all the things to all the people at all the time. And there were just too many things. And so then it became, and my mom was great. She kept saying over and over to me again, how are you going to figure out how to not let this be bothering you all the time? Well, we have a sick family member. I've got a senior in high school, which means she's got a lot of college stuff. A lot of people have said to me, like, here it is, it's October. My daughter's applications are all in. Why are her applications in already? I said, because I wanted that done in the summer. Because mm. there was going to be so much else going on this fall that mm -hmm. I thought, here's a way that I can help her see, like, planning ahead. And she's got ADHD. Planning ahead, getting things done, recognizing that your fall semester at school is going to be very intense. So get the applications done. Took a lot of pressure off me, too, right? To say, yeah. let's get this done, and then you don't have to worry about it. The downside, and I equate this to like being pregnant, <laughs> is when you find out really early on you're pregnant, you have a really long pregnancy. Well, of course. We're having a really <laughs> long waiting period to find out, you know, where she's going to get into college, which is fine. So this last burnout for me was very different because it was really not about work specifically. It was about you have seven different things that are really important you got to deal with. And I'm pretty good at managing about three or four. And I just had to keep learning how to, I'm going to have to shut that down. I can't think about that now. That can't be something I'm focused on. So I had to really start like putting my time in very clear boxes and saying, this is work time. I'm working. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that I don't think, you know, Again, people equate burnout with overworked and pushy bosses and, you know, unrealistic demands in the workplace. But I spent a good chunk of time, while I didn't give people a complete time management lesson in the book, I did spend a lot of time discussing yep. time management because that, once again, that, you know, comes back to that 
term we talked about co-founding your burnout. If you don't know how to manage your time, you're going to burn out. If you're plugging holes there and you're plugging meetings and this empty little slot or you're letting other people do that, plug meetings into places that aren't allowed and everything else, you only get to the end of the day and the end of the week and you have no idea what you got done because you probably got nothing done. Right. So I think it's, I've gotten very methodical about my time management where making sure that I can get what I need to get done. I can get my other personal projects off the ground and going and not being in that, you know, putting out fire mode all the time or, or like I say, stop, drop a roll where I see a client's that I can't stand, you know, on the caller ID and answering it. No, I'll let it go to voicemail. So, but I, I almost never answer it. the phone. Well, I do. It depends on, but I've trained myself to know that, that this one's going to take 30 minutes and I don't even like you. <laughs> I know exactly. Pretty much. I know who I can pick up the phone with and who I can, I can let go, so to speak. I could get more into it, but I'd get in trouble. <laughs> no, that's all right. I'll give a different example so it's safe. I absolutely adore my folks, and they like to hear from me much more than I really have time for. And after I had cancer, I said, I've got, or during the time I had cancer, I said, I've got, I really gave that sense of mortality. And it was less about my mortality, although there was an aspect of that, having cancer, and more about my folks. And I thought, well, if I'm 50, I was 49 when I got cancer. If I was 49 when I got cancer and I could be this ill and this kind of in danger, Will Robinson, what about my folks who are 25 years older than I am? And yeah. so I really wanted to honor spending much more time with them. We don't live nearby. So that wasn't an option. So what I started doing was whenever I was in the car, I would call them. It's become a huge family joke seven years later because they're like, oh, where are you driving? <laughs> but it's just, they're retired. So they have a little more flexibility. They're busy. They're they doing the things. Sometimes it's, we can't talk now. Okay, no problem. I mean, I get that. I honor that. But they get to hear from me three times a week because I'm in the car three times a week, right? And it's an easy way to spend that time with them without trying to manage it while I'm working. And, and I'll, I'll finish the story by saying this happened this morning. I got home and I was getting set up to meet with you. And my parents were on the phone and they asked me a question. I kind of, uh, you know, not really, <laughs> didn't really do a very good job being a good daughter and answering. And I said, I have to be really honest. I was sitting in my office. I was trying to do something. Hold on. And I shut down the screen. I finished the conversation with them. Yeah. And then I went on. And that's why I called them from the car. because. I know that when I'm at the office, you know, when I'm at work, I'm not going to give them the full attention they deserve. Now, see, I'm the opposite. And this is where, again, everybody needs to analyze their own burnout and habits and everything else is I don't like to call people in the car. I like to punch up some rock and roll music and blast as loud as I can because it's my time, you know, and I don't want to be sitting in traffic talking to somebody if, if I can avoid it. I mean, I say that about like the bad clients and you know who those are. Okay. Right. But you, you always take care of your clients. But I think the, the bottom line is that nobody's really going to miss you for an hour. Yeah. You know, I mean, let's they just might get not real even miss that. you for 24 hours. Yeah. So, and I'm, by that, I mean, work people. Yeah, exactly. 
So you can step away. I know it's very hard for people. It's hard for my clients. It was hard for me. It's a hard lesson. And I really learned it when I was coming out of cancer and trying to recover and getting healthier. But um, it is doable and the world doesn't end. There are people in the world who their jobs are such, you know, they're, they're working three jobs and they've got three kids and they're making ends meet. And look, I don't want to belittle them in any kind of way or be disingenuous. If there's any way you can even find five, 10 minutes first thing in the morning, you know, to carve a little bit of time for yourself, that's a Band-Aid. But, you know, it's better than nothing. Yeah, True. So let's see, we talked about entrepreneurs, burning the boats, values, boundaries. We covered a whole bunch of territory. Mm. Do you have a favorite productivity strategy given <laughs> given burnout? <laughs> I, I think it goes back to uh, the time management. I mean, I call it theme days. I don't like to bob and weave. I don't like to, I don't do so much of it anymore, but I belong to some networking groups where they started at seven in the morning and I'd have to drive a half hour to get there. And and uh, and then be, maybe you do like a one-on-one after or something, a coffee, but then you get back to your desk and I can't get anything done. Right. So I, I try and make sure that I have a theme for certain days. So if it's writing or, or what have you, that's all I do that day because I can get in the zone. I can get in the flow of things. Huge for ADHD when we can grab those hyper-focus moments. Yeah, and I got schooled on this two years ago. I think there's a little bit of a difference between hyperfocus and flow. I mean, mm-hmm. hyperfocus is almost like some people, it's a problem for some people with ADHD. You can't pull yourself out. You don't go to the bathroom. You, you don't eat versus my ability to, because I do a lot of writing right. for clients where the words flow easier. My brain is more creative. I make less mistakes. I can write more. I can pump out more. Mm. But if I got to hop on even a 15-minute phone call or half-hour Zoom meeting, that just slams the brakes yeah. on my productivity. I have a hard time getting going again. So my point is, you asked the question, my favorite kind of productivity tool, it's just my theme days. So if I'm going to go out and network or have meetings, that's all I'm going to do that day. Right. If I'm going to write for clients, then that's the theme of the day right? because I, I can crush it. I think theme days are important. And I even book my podcast recordings. Some people book them. They do them all in one day. I just can't. I lose my voice, Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of a story in itself. I have a nodule on vocal cord, so I can't over talk. Yeah. So if I had to record four podcasts in a day, I would lose my voice. But I recorded three podcasts this week. Mm. Now, I'm not recording any next week. That's on purpose, <laughs> right? Well, this has been a podcast-heavy week. So if you can't theme your day, you might be able to put an overarching theme on your week. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think that's this true. idea of themes is really important because it really helps us get that focus. And let's call it, I'm going to agree with you on this, that focus that's flow-focused as opposed to necessarily hyper-focus. Yeah. And you're right about the weeks too. I mean, sometimes I'll clear the decks so I don't have to do certain things during a week. And I can, like, if I've got some side projects that I'm trying to wrap up for other things, you know, like you say, such as the, you know, the podcast or maybe rounding out another book, right? putting a program together. I like a clear runway. There's nothing 
more attractive to me than to look at my calendar and see a blank. <laughs> the problem with my calendar is I have this thing that attaches to it that's a scheduler. So if mine is blank, people can get in there. And I can't stand this when someone sneaks in at a time where I'm like, oh, that's my focus time. How is that not blocked? But that's where I put... You block it. I color my block off times in green. Right. So I know that and it might be a calendar invite, but it might be like 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. or it's just right. It's just blocked off. So and I also do that with the podcast, too, where I I realize I got overloaded. So I'll just put a block off. I might have yeah. podcasts already booked, but yeah, other people have access to my podcast booking calendar. And I've seen myself where all of a sudden I got four podcasts booked back to back. And that's my fault because I set up my calendar in such a way that allowed people to do that. But yeah, I think if you feel burned out and you feel like you've lost complete control over your time, I think you need to just hit the pause button and just Mm -hmm. blow up your schedule. You just need to blow it up, figure out when you do your best work, figure out when you can block things off, get methodical about blocking things off. Don't feel bad about it. Right. And just say, I'm not available. Don't need a reason. I'm just not available. Most of us aren't firefighters or brain surgeons, so Mm. we're not, we have a little more flexibility, which is key. And really looking at your time, that's just brilliant. There's no question in my mind. Yeah. Lots of brilliance from you. Hate to be wrapping it up, but we are. Where can people find you, Dave? Well, if you're talking about burnout, we can send them to overcomingburnout.net. That is, uh, will be a direct link to the book, Overcoming Burnout. OvercomingDistractions.com is the adult ADHD website where there's about 180 podcasts on there and some other kind of tips and tricks. If you're a a business professional, a high achiever, an an entrepreneur with ADHD, you'll find a lot of of great content on there as well. And of course, the link to my first book. Fantastic. And I've read both, but I think you knew that already. So, and I could highly recommend both. Dave writes in a style that's more story-based. So it's not a, it doesn't feel like a how-to textbook. It's very much here are stories about people's experiences and what they did. It's fascinating. I really enjoyed reading both of them. Well, thank you. So thank you for being on. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for your time. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.